Greetings from our church in London, Ontario, Canada. And my lovely wife, Lena, is here. Before I, I start, I'd like to say something. When I was in junior high, nothing happened. I'm still 5'7". So, <laughs> now we'll go on to the message. <laughs> this morning I want to speak about the supernatural element of prayer speaking in tongues. The supernatural element of prayer speaking in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 2, 14, it says this, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The naturally minded man does not want to to acknowledge that there is a supernatural element in prayer and sees such an idea as, as utterly foolish. However, in reality, the very essence of prayer is supernatural because we're actually communicating with God. And what can be more supernatural than that? Speaking in tongues is not the only supernatural element of prayer, but it is surely one of the most visible. When we study the entire New Testament, and specifically the book of Acts, we get a picture of how the New Testament, how New Testament Christianity is to function. New Testament believers expected the supernatural to be part of their daily lives. The reality of God and the supernatural go hand in hand. To God, the supernatural is natural. As we read the book of Acts and the epistles, it is clear that speaking in tongues was considered a normal and everyday experience for believers. Here, many may speak in tongues and and others may not. This teaching is not meant to make people feel they must have this experience or that they are any less of a Christian if they don't, but simply to provide an opportunity to learn more about the subject of speaking in tongues From a biblical point of view, there are no second-class Christians. We are equally loved and valued by the Father, whether one speaks in tongues or not. We are all his favorite children. We should not view speaking in tongues as some badge of merit, or a sign of spiritual maturity, or that one who speaks in tongues is more favored by God than one who does not. Speaking in tongues can be compared to a spiritual tool that if used properly will assist us in our spiritual walk. It's sort of like if someone has a skill saw and they, t- they get a skill saw and they put it in their basement. Do you have basements here? I don't think you do. We have them in Canada because it's cold. Anyways, and so somebody says, guess what? I have a skill saw. Do you use it? Well, no, but I have a skill saw. The skill saw in itself is only valuable if you use it. Some Christians avoid the subject of speaking in tongues because it has been the source of conflict in churches and between denominations. However, the Bible addressed the subject of speaking in tongues in considerable depth, indicating that the subject is important for us to understand. There have been two extremes in the body of Christ regarding tongues. One is, some say speaking in tongues is no longer available to the church, but ended with the early church. Now, this is actually based on experience, or should I say lack of experience. The second, the other extreme, is an unhealthy emphasis on the supernatural experiences to the point where discernment is no longer practiced and spiritual maturity is no longer the ultimate goal. 
So we have two extremes. We have Baptist boredom or charismatic chaos. <laughs> I remember one time we had, in our city in London, we had a Christian mayor for a few years and and about 15 years ago, so she had a, a prayer meeting every Wednesday morning in her office in City Hall where a number of us pastors got together. And so we did it every Wednesday morning. And one morning I, I, after the prayer meeting, I talked to this one Baptist preacher. I said, why don't we get together and have lunch? He said, okay. So a few days later, we got together to have lunch. And as we're having lunch, he looks at me and kind of leans over and says, you wouldn't believe it. He says, Wednesday morning, there was a guy beside me speaking in tongues I looked at him and said what are you worried about you don't believe it in any ways <laughs> I did say that too you know <laughs> when Christian apologists debate atheists it is fairly evident the atheists stand on very shaky ground in trying to prove there is no God However, when a Christian debates an agnostic, the burden of proof falls on the Christian to show why what he believes is true. You know, if you listen to debates, an an atheist, they they do a really poor job, right? I mean, even if you ask an atheist, how sure that there's no God? He may say 90%, 99%, but he can't say 100%, right? I mean, they're already on shaky ground. But when when a Christian debates an agnostic, an agnostic means in the Greek, I don't know. So anyways, so you can't win against the guy who says, I don't know. (laughs) And so as a Christian, we need to say why we do know. And the supernatural element is a very important part of that. It is the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit that confront people with the truth of the gospel. And they went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them, and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. When we try to eliminate the miraculous, we have weakened our ability to confront this world with the reality of God. The very pinnacle of the proof that the gospel is true is seen in no greater event than the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ himself as he peered to his disciples to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The, The single event that changed the disciples' perspective the most and left an indelible impression on their hearts and minds was when they came face to face with the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That was the event that transformed them. Up to that time, they were still wavering. After that time, everyone was willing to die for their faith in Christ. In the West, there is a misconception regarding the former Soviet Union and the church. Although the former Soviet Union had a well-deserved reputation for persecuting Christians, there was a mistaken belief that Christians were not allowed to gather together for religious meetings. Although not in itself true... In the former Soviet Union, believers were strictly forbidden from participating in the following five behaviors. They were not allowed to share their faith with others. They were not allowed to teach about the return of Christ. They were not allowed to pray for the sick. They were not allowed to prophesy, and they were not allowed to speak in tongues. It is an inter- interesting paradox that an atheist- atheistic society or state 
felt compelled to forbid believers from engaging in supernatural activities when they denied the very existence of the supernatural. The devil understands that through the miraculous and the operations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the church is strengthened and built up. The devil will go to great lengths to discourage believers from operating in those gifts. When Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13:1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. He is not negating speaking in tongues. Rather, he is placing it in its proper perspective in the light of the ultimate goal, which is love. The ultimate goal of our faith is not speaking in tongues or the manifestation of the other gifts of the Spirit. The ultimate goal is spiritual maturity and to be able to be fully conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's our ultimate goal. Let's begin our study of speaking in tongues by looking at the supernatural nature of speaking in tongues from both a biblical and a scientific point of view. The Bible contends that the source of speaking in tongues is supernatural and does not originate from either the soul in general or from the person's mind specifically, but from the spirit. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. The Bible also states that when a Christian speaks in tongues, they're actually speaking a real language, although it is unknown to them. This language can be either an angelic language or one of the more than 6,000 languages spoken by men. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Since speaking in tongues originates from the spirit and not the soul, the experience is neither initiated nor maintained through a stirring up of one's emotions. In fact, most of the time, one can be very demonstrative outwardly when speaking in tongues, although inwardly there is usually a wonderful peace and calm that fills the person. Dr. Andrew Newberg a professor of radiology at the University of Pennsylvania, is a leading expert in the field of neurotheology, which he describes as a unique field of scholarship which seeks to understand the brain and theology, or more broadly, the mind and religion. His studies involve measurements in the frontal lobe whose main activities include governing behavior, problem-solving, decision-making, and motor skills, among other functions. The frontal lobe is also involved in language skills and it facilitates the ability to speak fluently. Using neuroimaging, Dr. Newberg demonstrated that when subjects spoke in their native language, the frontal lobes of the brain were activated. However, when they spoke in tongues, activity in the frontal lobes were reduced. He concluded that what is happening in the brain of the people who speaks in tongues is similar to what they describe as happening to them spiritually. When they are, they are, that they are unaware of the words they are speaking because the Spirit is praying through them. Isn't that amazing? And that's exactly, for those who speak in tongues, you know that's true. You're, you're speaking, but you're not involved in what you're saying. Now, my wife would say that happens a lot to me, but <clears throat> I'm talking about speaking in tongues... We'll move on from there. (laughs) 
One participant in Dr. Newberg's study said this, when I heard about the study, I knew it would be proven that there is a part of the brain over which we have no control. When the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, we are out of control. It's very interesting that when you speak in tongues, it's actually not a highly charged emotional experience. And you know what's the most amazing thing about speaking in tongues? Like, I like to speak in tongues loud. Now, it's not more spiritual to speak, uh, to pray loudly. It's just more fun. (laughs) But, but the thing is, when I pray in tongues, and I'm praying loudly, and I am, I am, I am demonstrative. I love to raise my hands. I am demonstrative. But you know what the most amazing thing about that is? In my heart, in my soul, I am peaceful. Now, that is totally impossible. Like, if, you, if I would get everybody, I said, everybody, let's stand up now, let's all shout. And we all start shouting. It's impossible to be shouting and try to be peaceful, right? It's like you go to a game and say, yeah, score the goal. No, wrong side. You know, and everybody's sh- shouting and everybody's emotions get stirred by actually just speaking out those words. You actually stir up your emotions. But here, I can pray in tongues and be demonstrative, but within my soul, I can be at total peace and rest. It's because speaking in tongues is totally from the spirit, not from the soul or the brain. Researchers also found there's another part of the brain that is involved in when we have pleasant, uh, peaceful, joyful, positive emotions. And when, when many times when people pray in tongues, they, they, we, we sense that. We start to pray in tongues, we start to sense that. What they found was when those participants prayed in tongues and had those experiences, the part of the brain that dealt with those emotions was also not active. In other words, those feelings were not from the brain, but actually from the spirit. Studies studies suggest that people who speak in tongues rarely suffer from mental disorders. A study by Francis and Robin in 2003 reported that those who engaged in the practice were more emotionally stable than those who did not. Also, Dr. Newberg examined the brains of Buddhist monks and Franciscan nuns as they prayed in their own language. The results were noticeably different from the results he observed in those praying in tongues. Activity in the frontal lobes of the monks and nuns increased in intensity because they were intensely focused. And also, he studied those who were into yoga, into Eastern meditation. And when they did the MRIs of those people that were in this state of meditation, their frontal lobe was highly active. It was actually a very intense brain activity that produced those feelings of meditation. All our activities in life as believers, individually or as a church corporately, can be grouped into three categories. Everything that you do for the Lord can be categorized into three categories. Proclamation, habitation, or revelation. Proclamation. We are to be witnesses to the world. We are to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. God has called us to be salt and light. We are to make people thirsty, and we're to show them the path to Jesus. The second activity is habitation. By the way, if you want these notes, you can either download them or you can make copies of them or whatever you want afterwards. You don't have to, because I have lots of paper here. Habitation, 
We are to grow and mature in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are to be built up as a spiritual house unto God, his holy habitation. That's our second goal, is to mature. Third, revelation. God wants to reveal to us the mysteries of his will and to lead us by his spirit in every area of our lives. He wants to open our spiritual eyes to the wondrous things in his word. Those are three areas, proclamation, habitation, revelation. Much of the confusion in trying to understand the various verses found in the Bible regarding speaking in tongues stems from failing to differentiate between these three main purposes of speaking in tongues, namely proclamation, habitation, and revelation. As we look at each of these three main purposes in relationship to speaking in tongues, it will become clear how the different functions and reasons for speaking in tongues fit together and perfectly harmonize. Proclamation. Tongues is a sign and a wonder. Speaking in tongues can be used by God to make a number of proclamations, both to the world and to believers. Habitation. Tongues is a prayer language is meant to build up and strengthen believers both spiritually and emotionally. Revelation. Tongues is a spiritual gift which when working in conjunction with the spiritual gift of interpretation of tongues is used by God to both speak to us and reveal mysteries similar to that of the gift of prophecy. So let's look at the first one. Speaking in tongues is a sign of proclamation. Speaking in tongues is a sign and a wonder is a proclamation of a number of truths that God wants to declare to both the world and to believers. Speaking in tongues is a wonder to the world to wake them up to the reality of God. It is a reminder to believers that his continual faith, of his continual faithfulness and presence is always with us. Speaking in tongues is one of the miraculous signs to confront unbelievers with the reality of the gospel. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Speaking in tongues is a sign to unbelievers. Tongues are a sign for, uh, is for a sign, not to those who believe, but, those, but to unbelievers. There are two ways speaking in tongues is a sign to unbelievers. One, speaking in tongues in a language understood by the hearer, but not by the speaker. The best example is what occurred on the day of Pentecost when the unbelievers heard the disciples speaking in tongues. Look! Are not all these Galileans? And how is it when we hear them each in our own language in which we were born? We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And one example, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, he goes to a church, Leonard Terry, he spent a couple years in Israel uh, sharing the gospel. This is about 35 years ago. And he opened up in, uh, in Jerusalem a, a cafe uh, so that people could come in and, and, and he'd have an opportunity to share the gospel. So it was a, kind of a Christian cafe in Jerusalem. And anyways, one time he was, <clears throat> he was there and there's this a new believer and this other Christian with him and there are a number of people around. And this, this Christian wanted to get him to pray in tongues. You know, he's a brand new believer. So he started praying for him and he started to try to force him. And I, I hate that too, you know what I mean? Come on, just say something, just say something. You know, I don't like people when they do that. Don't, don't. I don't like to pressure people because it's a lot of work. And, and also, when you pressure people, it, it makes them actually more difficult to receive, right? 
But anyway, so, so Leonard was seeing this, and it was really kind of irritating him. He was going to kind of go and stop that, what was going on, but he didn't. And, and a few moments later, this young Christian began to speak in tongues. And even though he was speaking in tongues, Leonard still wasn't happy with the way that guy kind of had forced him. But sitting a couple tables away from him was this non-Christian. And as he's listening to this, he goes, he's speaking in Armenian. And this guy was Armenian. He's speaking in my language, in Armenian. And he began to write down what this guy was saying. And he was saying about the wonderful things of God. And he was writing those things down. And that day he received Christ. Another example is, um, I don't know if you, we have Christian TV in in Canada. And and the, the father of Christian TV's name is David Maines. And I know him personally. And his son in law is an Egyptian evangelist. And, uh, and this is what happened to him one time, and I'll just read it. This example involves David Bain's son-in-law, Nazir Shaheen, an Arab believer and an evangelist. Many years ago, Nazar was holding a series of meetings in Belgium to evangelize Muslims. A Muslim extremist, enraged by this, was planning to kill Nazar, but each time his plans were foiled. For some reason, this Muslim man decided to go to a French-speaking church. During the meeting, a man who had never had met this Muslim man began to speak in tongues in perfect Arabic. He not only gave details about Nazar, uh, this man's life and his plot to kill Nazar, but also called him by his given name. After the meeting, the Muslim man walked up to the, to the man and in Arabic asked him how he knew about him, all the details of life, and about his plot. The man looked at him, somewhat perplexed, and began to speak in French. It was at this point that the Muslim man was fully impacted by this miracle of speaking in tongues, and he gave his life to Christ. This is a powerful example of how God uses this as a witness to non-believers. The second way that God uses speaking in tongues to non-believers is the sheer wonder that an unbeliever experiences when confronted by the supernatural reality of someone speaking an unknown tongue. The unbeliever is not only confronted by the supernatural nature of speaking in tongues, but also by the fact that what the Bible says will happen actually happens, and they will speak with new tongues. This is what the Bible says will happen, and it's actually happening. I remember about, it was about 2001, my wife and I went the first time to visit Bill and Tammy in Mexico. And uh, they had started the church already. They had about 40 people. And, um, and so Sunday morning, you know, Bill asked me to preach. And so I had prepared. And, 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 and the message that was on my heart was about speaking in tongues. At that time, I called it 33 Reasons to Speak in Tongues. I like to be thorough. And so anyways... But that morning, not only did the 40 people from the church come, but it was a storefront location. About 10 non-believers happened to all drift in. And of course, they're extremely Catholic in Mexico. And so when Bill saw that the number of people had swollen from 40 to 50 and 10 were non-believers, extremely Catholic, <clears throat> he says to me, Howard, maybe you should, uh, maybe, maybe why don't you pray considering changing your message? And I said, well... If you want me to, but I, I really sense that this is the right thing to do. I just don't, I think it is. I, that's just all my heart. He goes, well, m- maybe pray about it again. 
And then, then he says to my wife, he says, why don't you talk to your husband? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Similar thing happened to Samson. But anyways, um, <laughs> just joking, just joking. <laughs> so anyways, I just felt that was the message. So anyways, I, I gave this whole message about speaking in tongues. When I was finished, Bill was walking up at the end of service, and the Lord spoke to him and said, have an altar call. He had an altar call. All 10 people came forward and received Christ. And then he said, whoever wants to get filled with the Spirit, come forward. Another 10 people came forward, and all 20 got baptized in the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. And you know, I was really happy. I was right for once. <laughs> So even just the sheer wonder of people saying there's something supernatural that goes on is a testimony. There are a number of things that speaking in tongues signifies to believers. Speaking in tongues is one indication that someone has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Speaking in tongues may not be the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it is surely one confirmation. Once a believer begins to speak in tongues, we can definitely say he has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I know there's times where people, I believe, have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but because of the theology and whatever, have suppressed it, not realizing it. Speaking in tongues is a sign of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that he is alive and his word is true. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So every time you speak in tongues, you are declaring that Christ is glorified, that Christ is risen from the dead, and he's at the right hand of the Father. Every time you speak in tongues, you are making that declaration to yourself and to the world that Jesus has been risen from the dead, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father because he's given us his spirit. So that's one way. Every time I pray in tongues, I'm making that declaration. Also, speaking in tongues is a sign that God has united mankind in Christ, both Jews and Gentiles. As Peter preached to Cornelius, a Gentile and a centurion in the Roman Empire, and his family in Acts 10, God used the sign of speaking in tongues to show Peter and the other Jews that God had opened the door of salvation to the Gentiles. They heard them speaking in tongues and immediately recognized that they too had received the Holy Spirit just as we have because they heard them speaking with tongues. In other words, you got to understand that when the church was first birthed, the Jews never thought that God had included the Gentiles in the sal- his plan of salvation. It wasn't because they didn't like the Gentiles. It's just like it was in the mindset of the Jews. It's us Jews and it's the goyim. Right? It's just us Jews and everybody else. And so when Peter went to preach, I don't think he even knew what was going to happen. I don't even know if he was sure that they could even be saved. But when he began to preach, and they heard the word, they received Christ, and the Spirit came upon them, and they all began speaking in tongues. And he was, he was, uh, he was like shocked. 
And he goes, they've received the Spirit just as we have. And you know what he said then? What stops them from being baptized now in water? In other words, we're going to include them because God has included them. And when, when Peter went back, you know what the apostles said? They said, we've got to have a talk with you. They go, you've been going to talk to Gentiles. He said, what are you doing, Peter? So he tells them about the vision he had and about going to Cornelius' house. And then he tells them how they all spoke in tongues. And you know what the apostles said? They go, oi vey. <laughs> even the Gentiles. Even the Gentiles. <laughs> so speaking in tongues was a sign to the believers that God has united all nations, all people in the body of Christ. At the Tower of Babel, God confused the languages of the people so they were no longer able to understand one another, which resulted in the people being divided and scattered. At Pentecost, God used the manifestation of tongues in order that the people of different languages all understood what was being said, and it drew the people together to hear and receive the gospel message. At Pentecost, speaking in tongues brought unity as opposed to the Tower of Babel where it brought division and separation. At the Tower of Babel, the division of the different languages was a result of man's rebellion toward God. At Pentecost, the sign of speaking in unknown tongues was a result of man's obedience and faith in God. Isn't that amazing? God took the one thing that was a sign of judgment and redeemed it to be a sign of redemption. Speaking in tongues is a sign and a reminder to believers that that it is not through self-effort and our own strength that we can serve God or please Him, but by simply believing in Jesus and obediently stepping out in faith as His Holy Spirit leads us and empowers us. Isn't that amazing? Like... To speak in tongues requires zero effort. And I'm a lazy person. And so I can just open my mouth and out comes this entire language. It's like we don't serve God by our own strength or self-effort. We serve God by obedience and by his grace. Speaking in tongues is a sign and a reminder that we as believers um, are able to continually experience the supernatural presence of God as we simply abide in Christ and walk in the Spirit. Every time somebody asks me, how often do you experience the supernatural? I go, every day. Every day when I open my mouth, that's the supernatural. But you say, but I don't feel anything. That's because it's supernatural. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's supernatural. In other words, you know, you ever have it where you feel overwhelmed? That happens to me a lot, right? I feel like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. But you know what I do? I stop and I begin to pray in tongues. And immediately as I begin to pray in tongues, I go, you are real. God, you are more real than my circumstances. You are more real than my problems. So I immediately begin to speak in tongues. I feel like overwhelmed. I feel discouraged. I feel like what God's what's going to happen. I just begin to pray in tongues. I go, God, you are real. It reminds my soul. It's a sign to me that God is real at this very moment in my life. In those times when we feel overwhelmed by the presence, pressures of life or struggling with doubts or fears, we can open our mouths and the Holy Spirit will immediately, immediately fill our mouths with a language that originates from Him. 
Speaking in tongues is a sign and a reminder that God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. But God has chosen the the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. Some believers ask, why would God want us to speak in tongues and say things we don't understand? The answer is simple. He's God and he can do what he likes. (laughs) That's true, right? I mean... (laughs) He uses what appears to be foolish and weak in the eyes of man to manifest the perfection of his wisdom and power. To a skeptic and the naturally minded person, speaking in tongues appears as gibberish and as a foolish and useless action. But in reality, when we are speaking in tongues, we are speaking mysteries in the spirit. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, and no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Speaking in tongues is an affront to those who want to exalt human reason. You know, some people who who think this is foolish, they they call themselves intellectual. Intellectual people doesn't mean they're smart, it means they think too much. And so what they do is they go, come on, how can this be of any meaning? I don't understand it. But it says not only does it have meaning, it's we speak mysteries. We speak mysteries. Speaking in tongues is a sign and a reminder that we as believers can totally trust God's word. Just as God can literally control every word we speak when we speak in tongues, he inspired those who wrote the Bible. Each word written in the original text of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek of the Old and New Testaments can be fully trusted and were fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God's as God spoke as they were motivated, moved by the Holy Spirit. In other words, somebody said, you mean you believe that everything written in the original Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek was, is the word of God, like every word? And they go, how do, you, how do you believe that? I said, well, every time I speak in tongues, that's what happens. If God can have me open my mouth and he can give me and he can control every word I speak, then I can believe that he could have men and women who were inspired to write down every word he want, wanted written. We, can, we have looked at speaking in tongues in relationship to proclamation and as a sign and a wonder. Now we're going to look at speaking in tongues in relationship to revelation in terms of speaking in tongues as one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Tongues is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit revelation. Tongues is listed as the eighth gift of the Spirit, and interpretation of tongues is listed as the ninth gift of the Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Apostle Paul posed these questions. Do all speak with tongues? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. It is clear from the context of the question in 1 Corinthians 12 that, that the question is framed from the perspective as tongues as one of the nine gifts of the Spirit and not in reference to tongue, speaking in tongues as a personal prayer language. So you can see the context of it. It says, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, do all have the gifts of healing, right? Do all, in other words, it's talking about the nine gifts. 
When tongues is used as a gift, it always is accompanied by the gift of interpretation. Because God uses the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation to give prophetic messages. And thus, it is equivalent to prophecy. I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Unless, indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. So the gift of tongues and interpretation is given for the edification of the church. Many have misinterpreted the following passage as referring to praying in tongues. But the context of these verses in reference to this gift of tongues, which is given to provide prophetic utterance in the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let let there be two or three at the most, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpretation, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. When, when tongues are spoken in a public meeting as a gift, it should only operate where there is interpretation. So it's when there's a time that revelations be given, that's when tongues and interpretation operate. We have looked at speaking in tongues in relationship to proclamation and as a sign and a wonder. We've looked at speaking in tongues in relationship to revelation as one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And now we're going to look at speaking in tongues in relationship to habitation as a personal prayer language. Tongues is a prayer language habitation. Praying in tongues originates from our reborn spirit and therefore it is an expression of the perfect prayer. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, when we pray in tongues, we're praying the perfect will of God. Because there's nothing, my, my mind, my understanding is not in any way affecting it or tainting it or changing it. I remember one time a, a couple, they're, they're Ethiopians, they go to our church. He was going back to do a mission trip in Ethiopia. And as I was, we were praying together, I was praying for his trip and I was praying in tongues. And then he said to me afterwards, you were praying in Amharic. And I said, what was I saying? And I was saying two things. I kept repeating over and over, and over again. Uh, open the road and pour oil on the road. We would say open the way and anoint the way. But I kept repeating that over and over again. Another time, in, I went, I've gone to a n- number of times to Russia, Beslan, Russia, near the Chechen area. Um, my wife doesn't seem to want to go there with me yet. But um, Anyways, and in 2004, I was there and I was praying... Um, in one of the churches there during a prayer meeting I was praying in tongues and then the pastor said to me you were praying in our Assetian language I don't know what the name of the language is and I said what was I saying I kept repeating over and over again save them, save them and then I used their, their, their word that they used to describe their own people group their ancient word of Assetians and I kept praying for their salvation save them, save them anyways one week later there was a town called Beslan where Chechen rebels came and, and, and attacked that church, attacked that school and killed 300 children. Well, the church, the church I was visiting a, few, a day before that was in that town. And about 40 kids would, would, went to that school. Not one of them was killed. Most of them didn't even make it to school on time. And God protected them. And by the way, that church went from 200 people to 400 people in one week. As, as all of a sudden people were asking, what's going on? What's going on in Russia? Praying in tongues is a supernatural expression of our triune nature engaged in all, th- aspe- all three aspects of our being. Our soul chooses to submit to the spirit 
and in an act of faith, we begin to speak. The Spirit takes control of our physical tongue and forms words and language unknown to us. Spirit, soul, and body. And what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with my understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with my understanding. See, praying in tongues is like an underground brook that the water comes up. And speaking, praying in our known language is like the, a water brook on the surface. And the two merge together to provide complete refreshing. You know, it says here, I'll pray with my understanding and I'll pray in the spirit. Now, some people find praying in tongues boring. Some people think they just pray in tongues and they're kind of like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? Right? You ever, I don't know if anybody had that experience. But I'll tell you what will activate your desire to pray in tongues. Paul didn't say, I'll pray with the spirit and I'll sit around and do nothing. He said, I'll pray with my spirit, I'll pray in the, with my understanding. So this is how I pray in tongues. As I'm praying in tongues and I'm letting it flow, in my mind, I'm worshiping God. So I'm going, praise you, Father. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your love. Praise you, Father. Glory to you. So all that's going on in my mind while I'm praying in tongues. It's the only time that men can do two things at one time. (laughs) We'll leave that comment alone, too. So anyways... (laughs) So what I'm doing is I can pray in tongues for hours because I'm engaging my thoughts also. I'm not disengaging my understanding. I'm engaging my understanding while I'm praying in tongues. So like a lot of times when I get up in the morning to pray, as I said last night, when I, when I get up early in the morning to pray, you know how I feel? Very tired. And so when I get up, I'll go to a room, I'll spend some time in the Word, but then I'll, I'll begin to pray in tongues. Normally I'll stand up. And I'll raise my hands. I like to be demonstrative. Not always, but I like to be. And what I do, I want to engage myself. I want to engage my body. I want to engage my soul. And I want to release my spirit. And so what I do is I'll raise my hands. And I'll begin to worship God. I'll begin to pray in tongues. But with my mind, I'll go, thank you for salvation. Thank you that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Thank you that your Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to me. Thank you, Lord. And I'm praising God in my mind. And I'm worshiping God. And I'm praying in tongues. And I'm raising my hands. And there's one thing that's very important when you do this early in the morning. Quietly. (laughs) Quietly. I've been married 35 years. And I'd like to maintain that record. And so, so when I, I, I'm praying in tongues, I'm, I'm, I'm engaging myself. So I'm constantly worshiping God or I'm praying about needs. I'm saying, oh God, move in that person's life. While I'm praying in, in my mind, I'm praying in tongues. And then I'll switch to English and I'll begin to speak in English. I'll say, God, and I'll start to make proclamations in my, in, in, in my known language too. And so between that and speaking in tongues, I'm just flowing. And literally I can go on for hours that way. When we pray in tongues, we are expressing directly through the Spirit the glory of God. For they heard them speaking with, them speak with tongues and magnifying God, and we hear them speaking in our own la- tongues the wonderful works of God. So praying, praying in tongues is a way to complete our ability to praise God. God is so wonderful that we sometimes don't, we don't know what to say fully. But when we pray in tongues, we're worshiping God and we're fulfilling that expression of how great God is. Praying in tongues strengthens us 
edifies us and builds up our faith. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Whoever speaks in tongues edifies oneself. The Greek word for edify can mean to strengthen, to make more able, to increase the potential of someone or something. The foundation of our faith has been laid. That's Jesus Christ. But we need to build on that foundation. And speaking in tongues is one of those things that help us to do that. I, I've been a believer 40 years, but for 17 years, I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't speak in tongues. And I went to a Russian Pentecost church, which was a very structured church. It was legalistic. They loved the Lord, but it was very, everything was hard. That's what legalism is. It takes grace and makes grace even difficult. And, and they, they loved the Lord, and it was a, they were very supportive. But I really struggled. But I remember 23 years ago, I had an encounter with God, and I, I, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. And I remember it was very interesting that a couple of weeks before that happened, I went to a prayer meeting, and these people didn't know me, and there was a prophecy to me. And the prophecy was, I will give you joy. And I thought to myself, I don't feel sad. Anyways, a week and a half later, I got filled with the Spirit. A few days afterwards, I went back to this prayer meeting. These people didn't, didn't know anything about me, didn't know what happened. And there was another prophecy to me. And this is what it was. I've given you joy, now stir it up. And I thought to myself, well, I don't feel any different than I did three weeks ago. But then I recognized something. I needed to use it. I needed to use it. Over the few next couple of weeks, there were these different prophecies given to me. And this is what they were. One was, pray in the Spirit and I will give you victory. Another one was, pray in the Spirit and I will give you success. Another one was, pray in the Spirit and you'll see what I'm going to do in your life. So, being a very smart person, I realized I should pray in the Spirit more. <laughs> you can't fool old Howard. <laughs> so what I did is I began to stir that up. I would pray in tongues as much as I could when I'm driving the car, when I'm walking, when I was doing dishes. That's why we got a dishwasher. But anyways, all those things. And I would be praying in tongues. I remember my boy at the time, how old was Jacob? About 10? You know, and I would drive from the school every day and I'm driving in the school, and I'm going, and I'm praying in tongues. After about a week, one day, my 10-year-old looks at me and says, Dad, after a while, it gets a bit annoying. (laughs) 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 So I just learned to pray in tongues quieter when I was driving in the car. (laughs) But I still do. So I decided, I'm going to pray in tongues as much as I can. I've been doing that now for 23 years. And I go, I'm going to see what God is going to do. I'm going to see what God is going to do. I've never gone to Bible school. I've never learned how to preach or all those things. But what I did is I said, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm just going to seek you. So I began. I didn't pray because I wanted to go into ministry. I just wanted to pray to see God's will done. That's all I did. So I began to pray in tongues daily throughout the day when I'm driving the car. And I continue to do that. And I go, God, I'll see what you're going to do because I can't do anything. That was 23 years ago. Praying in tongues will empower you to position you so God can move through you. When we cannot express our thoughts and feelings because our inner joy is so great, 
Our inner struggles are so painful, the Spirit gives us the words. When we feel overwhelmed, we can pray in tongues. There were times that I felt so overwhelmed with grief and sorrow that I could just, all I could do is pray in tongues. I just said, God, I just surrender to you. I just surrender to you, and I just pray in tongues. Or other times you're so excited you don't know what to say, and you can pray in tongues. <clears throat> Praying in tongues helps us to pray without ceasing. You could pray for literally hours. I can drive in the car and just look at the beautiful landscape and, and just pray in tongues and just think about, God, how wonderful you are. <clears throat> Many Christians think that in Ephesians 6, there are only six pieces of spiritual armor, but they miss the last one. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying in tongues is a seventh piece of armor piece of spiritual armor so we can successfully engage in spiritual warfare while praying in the spirit may not be restricted to praying in tongues it certainly includes it praying in tongues is god's secret weapon and it is the seventh piece seven being the biblical number for completion and the final piece of our spiritual armor which without which we are incomplete praying in the spirit is is one of two offensive weapons the first being the sword of the spirit which is the word of god those who pray in tongues know that one initiates praying in tongues not based on any emotional experience, but by simply opening one's mouth in faith and speaking out words as directed by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's always amazing. I've been doing this 23 years now. I'm still amazed. I just open my mouth and it starts. And you say, how does it happen? I don't know, but I know I can start it and I know I can stop it. Which says a lot more for me when I speak in English sometimes. My wife says, just stop it. <laughs> I can control how loud or quiet it is. I can control how fast or how slow it is. But I don't know how I start it and I don't know how I stop it. But I do it by faith. I find sometimes people when they speak in tongues for the first few times, they think, well, I don't know how to do it again. It says we do everything according to our level of faith. I remember the day I got, that evening I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I came home, my wife was home, and I was so excited it was about 11 o'clock at night. And she, she was so happy. She gave me a, First of all, she, 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 uh, I phoned her up and, and it was 11 o'clock at night. I told her, you know, about 10 o'clock or 9.30, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit speaking tongues. She was so happy for me. Anyways, I got home. She's waiting for me. It's 11 o'clock and she hears these people outside. She goes, Howard brought people home. She says, I'm in my pajamas. She looks at the window. It's just me speaking in tongues. <laughs> so, is that true? <laughs> So then she said, well, that's so wonderful. Let's go to sleep now. I said, go to sleep. I've waited this for 17 years. You go to sleep. I prayed till two in the morning. And I began. And so I never had a time of difficulty starting because I was so confident in God. So when you first get filled with the Spirit and start speaking in tongues, keep doing it. Keep doing it. And just let that faith grow. And you can speak at any time. But there's also that sometimes Christians, after they speak in tongues, because it's not an emotional experience, because it's not an emotional experience, they sometimes say, am I making this up? You ever heard anybody say that? Am I making this up? So I said to him, I said, well, let's try something for a second. I said, uh, let's just praise God. Let's just start praying in tongues, you and me. But I said, but when you're praying in tongues, I want you to just think about how much God loves you. So we do that for about five minutes or so. And then when we, when we finish, I say, what were you thinking about when you're praying in tongues? Well, you told me to think about God's love, so I did. So then how could you have been making this gibberish up? Because it was gibberish. It would cause, you would have to use a lot of your brain activity to make up gibberish. But you're thinking about God's love and the words are coming out. So obviously it's from the Spirit. 
Sometimes Christians, Christians after receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit accompanied by speaking in tongues, pray in tongues infrequently. Sometimes it's because they fail to understand the importance that praying in tongues can have on one's spiritual walk. They mistakenly think that praying in tongues is the least of the gifts. But in reality, praying in tongues is the gift that God uses to personally edify and build one's faith up. See, the Bible never says it's the least of the gifts. That's what people have tried to say the Bible says. And I talked about last night about the natural mind and the carnal mind. And I I, I have two references. The natural-minded person is a person that only looks at things from the natural point of view. The carnally-minded person is a person who's impulsive and always wants immediate gratification. So the naturally-minded Christian neglects to pray in tongues daily because they think, how can this help me? I don't even know what I'm saying. Right? So you have naturally-minded Christians that are... That, are, that can speak in tongues, but say, well, I don't know what it is, so it doesn't make sense to me, so why should I do it? The carnally-minded Christian neglects to pray in tongues daily because they are always looking for some emotional, exciting experience and instantaneous gratification. As I said before, speaking in tongues is not an emotional experience. It can sometimes stir us by the Spirit afterwards to have an emotional experience of peace and joy or whatever, but in itself, it's a not-emotional experience because it's a spiritual experience. Apostle Paul makes three statements regarding speaking in tongues or pray, praying in tongues. Do not forbid to pray and to- speak in tongues. I wish you all spoke in tongues. And I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. There are th- what can we learn from Paul's statements about speaking in tongues? Paul counted a privilege to speak in tongues and he chose to pray in tongues frequently. Speaking in tongues is available to all believers. And in the early church, speaking in tongues was an expected part of being a Christian. An important question that arises in respect to the operation of speaking in tongues is this. Where and when is the proper place and time for speaking in tongues? For us to answer this question, we need to first of all keep in mind the three purposes of speaking in tongues. Tongues is assigned to the unbeliever is appropriate to be spoken in the presence of unbelievers. Otherwise, it can't be assigned to them. So if you never speak in tongues when non-believers are around, they'll never know that it's a sign. Tongues, as one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, is to function in combination with the gift of interpretation in order to edify the church. This is appropriate to be spoken during a church service or a gathering of believers during those times when prophetic words and testimonies and other revelations are given. Like, you know, sometimes during the worship, there'll be a quiet time where somebody will give a prophetic word or maybe a testimony or a tongue and interpretation. Tongues as a prayer language is to edify oneself personally while praying and worshiping God. Praying in tongues can be during one's personal prayer and devotional time or during gatherings of believers, either in prayer meetings or corporate church meetings during that portion of the meeting when prayer is, and worship is taking place. So when we're all worshiping together, like during our worship time today, what was it? I was walking around the back just praying in tongues. How do we know when speaking in tongues is functioning biblically? Everything is being done orderly and is not to be disruptive. Unbelievers are not to be distracted or confused by its practice. And the focus is not on the manifestation of speaking in tongues, but on Jesus Christ with the purpose of lifting him up and glorifying him. 
praying in tongues in a public meeting is fully acceptable as long as it flows with a service and is not disruptive or draw attention to the one who is praying. We have in our service, just like yours, we, have, we pray in tongues through all the worship time. And you know, we have non-Christians come many times and they're never offended. The ones who are offended are those who are Christians who don't believe in it. The non-believers go, that's amazing. Or, I didn't know you spoke Hebrew. But anyways, <laughs> I've had that too. But anyways, <clears throat> tongues as a gift is given when all is quiet. So it can be heard by all. However, as a prayer language, it is used when we are engaged in worship and prayer corporately. So as not to draw attention to it. In 1 Corinthians 14, 22 to 25, Paul makes an interesting statement. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if a whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, they will, not say, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. So Paul made something very interesting. He says, tongues is for the unbelievers as a sign, while prophecy is for believers. So an unbeliever comes in, don't speak in tongues, but prophesy. Go, what's going on here? I remember reading one um, person, it was uh, one translation, and the guy put a footnote saying, Paul must have, you know, mis- wrote something down wrong here. He got confused for a moment. I don't listen to that commentary. But anyways, Apostle Paul brought balance and understanding how to speak in tongues as a sign to unbelievers. He first points out that tongues are a sign not to those who who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. However, he then reminds the believers to use sanctified common sense. And not go blindly around speaking in tongues, thinking this will convince the unbelievers that the gospel is true. There, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? I'll give you an example. Let's say Paul didn't, hadn't written that, or you had, hadn't read it. And so all the people in the church said, you know, we're going to do some outreach in downtown Stillwater this afternoon. And so we said, let's go down. And so you all get a, go down the street and you see, there's one unbeliever. And you all get around him. You start raising your hands and all speaking in tongues at once. That guy, it takes off. <laughs> like quick. And they said, well, there's another one. Let's try that. <laughs> so after the, afterwards, you all get together. How did the outreach go? Real good. We, we, we witnessed to a lot of people, but they kept running away for some reason. <laughs> see, what Paul is saying is, Use common sense. Use sanctified common sense. And don't be hyper-spiritual. That when the appropriate time is, yes, speak in tongues. But don't just think that you're going to be speaking in tongues randomly to people and that they're going to be understanding that there's a sign. The difference, now I want to just a quick summary of this. The difference between speaking in tongues as a prayer language and as one, one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. I want to do those comparisons. One, as a prayer language, it is for prayer and worship. As a gift, it is to give a message to the people. 
Second comparison. As a prayer language, it is us speaking to God. As a gift, it is God speaking to us. Third, as a prayer language, it builds oneself up. As a gift, it builds up the church. Number four, as a prayer language, it does not need interpretation. As a gift, it requires interpretation. Number five, as a prayer language, it's for all believers. As a gift, it is only for those that the Spirit you wishes to give. Number six, as a prayer language, it can operate at any time. As a gift, it only operates as the Spirit leads. So I'd like to just start, just conclude with about how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and accompanied by the evidence of speaking in other tongues? First of all, you must be born again. Second thing is don't strive to receive, but rest in his love for you. Third, don't try to figure out, but focus on Christ and his love for you. And four, step out in faith and speak as the Spirit gives you words to speak. So I want to just explain this. I had a hard time took me 17 years. I, in fact, I got to a point in my life that every time they would have people wanting to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I go, I don't want to go up anymore. I was so discouraged. 17 years, that's a long time. That's a long time. In a Pentecostal church, I fully believed it, but I wouldn't, wasn't able to receive it. And, and first of all, I made it too hard. I made it too difficult. Like when somebody... We receive salvation, or we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or we receive healing all the same way. We just come to the Lord with an open heart and look to him. Imagine somebody wants to receive Christ and get saved. So there he is. He says, you know, he wants to say, okay, I can't get saved. Okay, I believe. I believe, yes, I believe. I, I, I want to get saved. And, you know, he said, well, just relax. <laughs> just relax, right? Isn't that true? Like, you know how when somebody's ready to get saved, it's like their hearts are touched. They're no longer thinking about themselves. They're thinking about, oh, God, you're real. And all I do is we sit down and I just point them to Jesus. And I say, let's just pray together. And as we just start to pray and they just share their heart with God, they're not trying to get born again. They're just opening their heart. And a moment later, right, they have received Christ. In fact, many times when I pray for people when they first receive Christ and I see the power of God touching them, you can see that they start to weep. They just really, they're really touched the reality of God. At that point, I, don't, I pray for them to get filled with the Spirit, but I don't tell them what's going to happen. I don't spend 10 minutes trying to teach them theologically what's going to happen. It's going to distract them. I said, can I pray for you right now? And I just want you to be open. God is going to touch you. And so I was praying for, and I prayed for them, and all of a sudden, you could see some of this God just touching them, and I would just whisper, I said, just open your mouth and speak. And all of a sudden, they're speaking in tongues. I remember um, one time there was a Baptist girl. She was, already, she was already saved. She came to our youth meeting one time, and uh, this is probably like 50, 14, 15 years ago. And so after the youth service, I had dropped by, the youth went up and they're all praying in tongues, and she says, what, what's going on there? And I said, uh, they're praying in tongues. She goes, what's that? So I explained to her a little bit. I said, would you like to pray and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? She goes, I'm not sure. I said, well, if you want to, we can. She goes, okay. So I got a couple more people around her. And so she's about 19 or 20. And so anyways, I said, just close your eyes. Just focus on his love. So as she's focusing on, her, on, on the Lord's love, 
and I'm just praying over her, all of a sudden tears start running down her face. Her eyes are still closed, and she says, I see Jesus. She's Baptist. She's having a vision. <laughs> and, 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 and then she says, and he's saying, I love you. And, I, and then she's telling me what's going on as she's just weeping. And, and then he says, now he's, he's saying things, but I don't understand the language he's speaking in. And I said, repeat the words he's saying. And she started speaking in tongues. Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat? But the thing is, but what, what I want to convey to you is, don't look for an emotional experience. I mean, I have some amazing stories where people have, but most of the time people speak in tongues just by opening their mouth. In other words, my problem was I thought too much. And, and I was always thinking, what's going to happen? How can I speak in tongues? And, and what happens if I don't speak in tongues? And what are people going to think if I'm not speaking in tongues? And, you know, it is mental gymnastics. Drives you crazy, right? So, so the thing is, but, but so my mother-in-law gave me really good advice one time, just a few weeks before I was filled with the Spirit. She says, don't try to figure it out. Just focus on his love. Just worship him. Just, just turn to him. Don't try to make it happen. Don't try to... And so the way, when I pray, and I prayed for literally hundreds, maybe thousands of people, you know, uh, in, to, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'd say 70 to 80% receive it right away. But the thing is, it's, it's really kind of just sort of like, first of all, focusing on God, don't become self-conscious. Don't be self, self-conscious. So the first thing is, just start worshiping and thank him for his love. So what I normally do is I pray with the person and say, let's just rejoice that we're saved. Isn't that the greatest thing? Salvation, that's the greatest thing. Do you know something? That you're stuck with me, guys. We're all going to heaven. I'm so happy. Like, I'm thinking, wow, I'm so happy. So I just say, let's just be thankful that Jesus died for our sins, that he shed his blood and he's raised from the dead. Let's, so I just, we spend five or ten minutes just doing that. So until they're just saying, yes, it's so wonderful because we've got to get them focused on Jesus again. And then the second thing I do is I just lay hands on them and we just pray for them. And I just ask the Father to give this person the gift and that Jesus would baptize this person in the Holy Spirit. And then we just spend time and then I just, and then I just see if, if the person is responding at all, if they're, if they're just enjoying the Lord. And then if they are, then I just, sometimes they'll start to speak. Sometimes they're going to be like, it says that they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Now, you notice by that verse that the Spirit gave the utterance, but they did the speaking. So somebody said, I'm waiting at speaking in tongues. It's not happened yet. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a component of faith. The same faith that brought us to putting our faith in Jesus to get saved. That same faith is, I'm going to open my mouth and speak. And people say, well, what happens if nothing comes out? Don't worry about it. What happens if I'm making it up? Don't worry about it. Just speak. The worst thing that happens, nothing happens. But, you know, but just speak. I remember uh, a few weeks ago we had a... It's interesting, I don't know about you people, but in, in, in Canada we have Pentecostal churches that don't speak in tongues a lot. I don't know if you have that here or not. I don't, why would they call it Pentecostal anymore? I don't get it. But anyways, they speak in tongues, but it's sort of underground. You know, it's trying to be seeker-friendly, but I don't think there's any seekers. I think they're all just want to know Jesus. But anyways, <laughs> so the thing is that... So this one lady came up and, and, and so... She was about 20, so her and her friend. And so I prayed for her. And then, you know, she's focusing on the Lord. And, and all of a sudden, she goes, oh, this is freaky. My tongue's been moving by itself. I go, that's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> so I said, let's do it again. And she started praying in tongues. She was like, wow. In other words, 
Don't overthink it. What you do is just make yourself available to God. Make yourself available. Just know that he is good. You know what it's called? It's called the gift of the Father. It's called the gift of the Father. That's another sign. I didn't put it in the message because I like to keep it shorter. But it's called the gift of the Father. In other words, speaking in tongues is not meaning that you're more favored by the Father. It's a token he gives to you to say, I love you. Right? It's like you give it, so every time we say, does God love me? You go, we speak in tongues. Oh, yeah, that's the token to remind me that God loves you. Doesn't mean if you don't speak in tongues, he doesn't love you. It's just something that helps us remember that God loves us. And so what I do is just get them to focus on God's love, to rejoice in his faithfulness, to have faith in what Jesus Christ has done. And then as they do and they're worshiping God, then to step out and just speak. Sometimes uh, they'll have a feeling, they'll have a manifestation, they'll feel maybe a warmth in their chest or, or they'll feel a trembling over their body or, or something like that. That's the Holy Spirit nudging them saying, I'm here now. I'm ready now. It's just like, I'm encouraging you now. I remember one time somebody was praying and, and he saw letters written in his mind. But it wasn't in English. But he could read it. But he didn't know what it was. And as he began to read it, he began speaking in tongues. Wow. There's so many times. I remember another time I was praying for one brother and he was, um, we were praying for him. And all of a sudden he felt himself being lifted out of his body. And he, was, he felt he was like in a place in Africa. And he heard people worshiping God but in another language and he began to speak that out so it happens in so many different ways but for many it's not this highly charged thing it's something that's very gentle very gentle and it's just a matter of us just speaking out and a lot of times it's just just being able to step out in faith and not worry about am I making it up or worry about what people are going to think just open your mouth and but the main thing is Focus on his love. Focus on his love. And have faith in his faithfulness. Have faith in his goodness. So in conclusion, I want... I don't want anybody to think that speaking in tongues is somehow making you superior. Or if you don't speak in tongues, you're somehow being disobedient. I want you to see it as just an invitation of something else that God wants to give you. And if you don't have it yet, you can pray for it. And don't feel beat up. It took me 17 years because I had this, all this legalism and I tried so hard. And when I finally learned to say, God, I can trust your love and faithfulness. 